Well, hello. Uh, my name is Alyssa Robbins, and um, I serve on the worship team here at Kingsway. And I just wanted to take a couple of minutes this morning to share with you guys um, a couple of things from my recent trip to Sumi, Ukraine. And um, the first thing I want to say is thank you so much for the opportunity to go. Um, it was it was super cool. It was definitely life-changing, and I've always heard, it was my first time like out of the country and on a missions trip, period, and um, I've always heard people come back from missions trips and talk about how they're so life-changing and they give them so much perspective, and that definitely, definitely was the case for me, and um, I probably got just as much out of it myself as I was able to offer to them, so... Thank you so much for that opportunity, and thank you for playing a role in that um, as our church. And so I just want to share just a couple of really short things about the trip. So this is a picture of um, Pastor Nikolai in the middle and his wife, and this is, um, I think, a, like an elder in the church. And we went to Sumi, Ukraine, and so we our mission was to go and kind of help this church with their outreach and um, help bring people in that they can they can kind of help to follow up with these people. So um, a saying that um, we went with Michael Gott International and a saying that is familiar around there is that we go to give these people what they want, which is English, so that we can share with them what they need, which is Jesus. And so we kind of earned that right over time by building relationships and being their friend and offering them English, and then we earned the right to talk to them about Jesus in the end. And so um, I would appreciate, Don and I both would appreciate if you would continue to keep Pastor Nikolai and their church in your prayers and um, the city of Sumi. And so the next picture, um, this is a picture of one of the classes. Um, this is actually on Super Sunday when a lot of the classes come together for one big event. And so this is kind of a mixture of students from a bunch of different classes. And then the next slide is, I have a picture of um, Donna's, Donna and some of her students. I believe this is on Super Sunday also. Um, so this is just kind of a mixture of some of her different classes. And so um, you can see the joy in Donna's face in this picture and in some of their faces as well. And so it was, it was super rewarding to get to go and to, um, to, I did have my phone I guess I left it in this, my seat. Um, I was going to read to you guys an email that I got from one of my students after I left Sumi, Ukraine. I'll just kind of summarize it in my own words. But um, this particular student, I won't mention their name, but um, I had really been praying for them once I got to Sumi, and I got to know this student, and I knew that they had shared with me a few things that they had struggled with, and I just knew by their lifestyle and some of their choices that they were really in a, in a dark and hurting place and searching for hope and for purpose in their life. And so I really began to call them out by name and pray for them. And um, there's a point at the end of our, of our language school where they can choose to make a decision for Christ, and um, or they, they stand up and say that they would like to make Jesus their heart friend. And this particular student did not do that by the end of the school, and my heart was saddened. And um, then after they leave the school, they fill out a survey at the end that, um, and they can actually write down 
did they make Jesus their heart friend, yes or no? And once I got this student survey, they had circled yes, that they did make Jesus their heart friend. And so I was thrilled. And um, after I left there, I received an email from this student and just pouring out their heart. They were not able to say goodbye to us. They didn't show up on the last day of school. And I was a little bit confused as to why. And um, But then shortly after, a couple of days, I, hadn't, I had barely, actually, we hadn't even gotten home yet, I don't think. And I had gotten an email from them, and they really just poured out their heart saying that there was something different about the some of the cultural differences can be a boundary. It can be kind of scary. Um, Americans are kind of seen as a little bit flamboyant and loud, smile too much, talk too much. And so it's a little, it can be a little bit um, intimidating for them, but... He mentioned how when he crossed the threshold of the church, something felt different. And by the end of the school, he said in his email that he did not know to whom he was grateful for this change that he felt in his heart and this hope, whether it was me or uh, Michael Gott in the English language school or to God. And so I was able to kind of answer some of his questions and still I still correspond with him and keep up with him. And so I just wanted to share that tidbit. And it was it was so rewarding for me. And I would appreciate if you would continue to keep um, him and the other students um, and Michael Gott and his team and Pastor Nikolai um, in your prayers and continue to lift them up. Um, and then the last thing I just want to say to you is um, God is at work in our church and most of you know that pretty recently we um, launched an Unchained campaign and we became debt-free as a church. And so because of that, we are able to pour into ministries and um, to enable these people to go. And because you are faithful with God, what God has given you and because you have been blessed and because you were blessed to bless that allows people like me to have the opportunity to use what I have been blessed with. And I want to say thank you so much for being faithful. And I want to let you, let you know that God is, God is good and he is working in our church. And um, I just thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, would you please pray with me and um, lift up um, the Michael Gotts team and this church that is in Sumi and these students whose lives have been impacted. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much um, for the light that has been brought to this dark place. And um, just like we've been talking about in the book of John, this, this darkness and the light. God, and thank you that you have um, opened the eyes of and the hearts of some of these students. And God, we just pray that you would continue to um, soften their hearts and continue to draw them to yourself, Lord, as you have already begun to do. Lord, thank you so much for this church and for their vision and for their heart in pouring into ministry such as this one, God. Lord, we pray for Michael Gott and his team. Lord, that you would continue to just lead and guide and use them, God, and continue to give them such a passion and zeal to reach these lost souls. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are at work and that you're going to continue to work. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Alyssa. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to hear a lot of her stories over the past few weeks after she got back and uh, just the things that she got to do, the ways God moved um, through her and through her team um, over there in Ukraine. But I just think it's really important to hear those stories and to hear those reminders that uh, the church is an American. Um, our mission and our movement 
is so much more than, than Kingsway, than Mount Vernon, than Missouri. You know, it's worldwide and includes people of every race, every language, every nation. Um, that's why I love getting those reminders. Thanks again, Alyssa. Um, well, you may have noticed uh, we have a peculiar lack of Trevor in the room today. Um, I know he got back from a uh, trip with, with the high schoolers on Thursday and then left the next day. And I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but... Um, <laughs> So we have uh, Mr. Kyler Schaff here, um, who's going to continue um, going through John with us today. Um, I don't know how well you guys know Kyler. I uh, have gotten the privilege to know him for a while and be in different Bible studies with him. I was his roommate for about a year. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've just been really, he's just really embodies that, that, you know, do everything as if for Christ and not for men, spirit and um, you know, whether it's preparing a sermon for here or the nursing home or maybe family pictures. Oh, gosh. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was waiting for it. No, but seriously, we're uh, really excited to have Kyler here to continue our, uh, our discussion through the Gospel of John. Um, I know he and Trevor have been working on it for a while, so take it away, man. All right. Thanks, Jed. Morning, guys. It's awesome to get to be back with you today. And I'm a little less nervous than I was last time I preached, like a month or so ago, but just less nervous on the outside. I've already pooped three times this morning, so I was definitely still nervous on the inside. But anyways, guys, this... Man, lost him. Not, a, not the start I wanted. Anyways, guys, uh, it's been so cool getting to go through the Gospel of John with Trevor, and just uh, reading it. And, and the thing that I see about John is you can't, you can't take anything at surface level, right? This book is so, so deep. And that just makes me think there's, so, there's always something more than to what you initially see. And see, I'm going to school at Missouri Southern to become a teacher, all right? And I figured out there's so much more to being a teacher than yelling at students and complaining about teacher pay. Like, who'd have thought? I mean, lesson plans, teaching strategies, and I think the biggest one for me has been classroom management. Like, they've actually taught me how to manage a whole classroom of kids. So I'm lucky enough to be one of the junior high leaders here, and I was like, you know, I could probably try one of these on these kids. And the last couple of times we met before summer break, we had... It was just Luke and I up here, and we were going over, we are doing large group discussion, all right? 40 junior hires, like, <laughs> yeah, good luck controlling that all at once. It's like, all right, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if I can put this, I'm going to see if I can put this to work. So I told him, I was like, all right, we're going to ask a question. I'm going to give you about a minute to think about it. Talk to your neighbor, discuss it, and then I'm going to put my hand up like this. And whenever you see me do that, I want all of you to put your hands up too, and to finish your conversation. It's like, all right, here we go. See if this works. Gave him about a minute, put my hand up, eight or ten seconds, all right? All their hands were up, and they were all quiet. <laughs> what? I have it. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> Give me my diploma now. <laughs> but, but guys, there's, just, there's so much more to things, and that's really, really what I've seen going through this book of John, and uh, I'm excited to get to finish up the first chapter with you. We're going to get to hear Jesus speak in this chapter. This is the first time he's spoken in the book of John so far. But before we dive in, would you pray with me? 
Dear God, thank you for the amazing Father that you are to all of us, God, and blessing us in so many ways. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, speak through me today, God, and open ears, God, and let us take this message uh, outside these walls and be a light in this world. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to jump right in. We're in John chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 35. It says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Man, don't you wish getting people to follow Jesus was that easy? Look, it's the Lamb of God. They followed him. But no. See, guys, this is, this is a perfect example of what John's ministry is here for, to bring people to Christ. And that's something he took so, so seriously. Man, these could have been two of his best disciples. He's like, that's not what it's about. I'm here to lead people to Christ. The other thing I see whenever I read this is people who need a Savior follow Jesus. People who need a Savior follow Jesus. And it doesn't have to be, choosing to follow Jesus doesn't have to be something crazy. It can be as simple as following him, just following like these two disciples did. It doesn't have to be some big revival altar call moment. And see, that's Mark 2.17 says this. It says, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, these disciples, they knew that. They knew that they were sinners, and they knew that they needed a Savior. All right, verse 30. Oop. There's that if you wanted to see it. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. All right, so Jesus just spoke for the first time. He sees these disciples following him. He says, what do you want? Some versions say, what are you seeking? I think I like that better. What's their response? Where are you staying? Like, what? You had one chance to just ask Jesus anything. Like, what are you seeking? I'd be like, Bigfoot. Where's he at? Is he real? That'd be my question. Where are you staying? Like, that, I don't think that matters. But maybe that's just it. Maybe these disciples don't truly know what they're looking for. And maybe we don't either. Hold on to that thought. Here's the other thing that Jesus said after they asked him that, where are you staying? He says, come and you will see. You see, I don't think, I told you nothing here is surface level. And it's especially when Jesus is talking. He never talks here. He either talks really deep or he seems like he's talking over everyone's heads, Right? But no, he says, come and you will see. Trevor talked earlier in the series about how light equals life. So when Jesus says, come and you will see, Jesus is the light. And if you come to Jesus, that's when you actually see. When you turn from Jesus, that's when things are dark. That's when life seems really hard and you don't know where to go or where to start or what's going on. Jesus says, come and see. 
verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. Guys, this is really cool, okay? Now, Peter, Cephas, they mean rock, right? And you've heard before, man, that's, you build the church on the rock, strong foundation. That's, that's so true. But something else that I see whenever I read this is whenever you start following Jesus, you're not the same person anymore. Jesus gives you a new identity in him whenever you start following Jesus. See, it's no long, it doesn't matter anymore what the world says about you or what the world says you are because it doesn't matter anymore who you are. It matters whose you are. 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, something I just want to pause real quick. See, this right here, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. All right, see, all the other disciples here, they went and found Jesus. But see, Jesus went and found Philip. And what does Philip do? Philip goes and he finds Nathanael, right? Something we said here before. Found people, find people, right? Boom, evidence right there. 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. All right, man, whatever. What does Philip say? Come and see. There's those words again. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Whoa, Jesus, like, man, how do you, how do you know that about him? How do you know that? Look at this. I mean, other than the fact that he's God, right? He knows everything. He knew that, he knew that Nathaniel was an Israelite. And if you look in Zephaniah 3, 12 and 13, look at, see what it says. But I will leave with you the meek and humble, the remnant of Israel, will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in them afraid. So that's pretty cool, right? Just Jesus saying that so that Nathaniel was able to relate to him. Like, oh, wow, man, this, man, he knows. And the verse 15 says this. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, all right, remember that, remember that, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. All right, let's look at Nathaniel's response. Let's see if there's any maybe similarities there. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So man, even, even Nathaniel, they're, they're right there. They're clicking. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. 
He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You guys, that's how, that's how John chapter 1 wraps up right there. In that last verse, verse 51, I put a reference right here. Use a laser pointer. In Genesis 28, 16, and 17, it's a really, really, really cool. Um, it goes back to Genesis where... Uh, uh, Jacob has this dream, right, of this ladder coming from heaven to earth, and angels are ascending and descending on it. Oh, man, it's just super cool, the connection here. But that's not what I want to talk about. So if you're following along, you saw in the last four verses, Jesus mentioned a fig tree two times. He mentioned it two times. And I told you before, I said, you can't take anything here at surface level. So if he's mentioning this twice, it's got to mean something, right? So I looked up, and in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three gospels before this one, Jesus speaks a, a parable about a fig tree, okay? It's also, so I'm going to read you the one from Luke 21, 29, and 31. This is this. He told him this parable, look at the fig tree, and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Man, I thought that was just like super, super reassuring, right? But I wanted to take it just like a little bit a step farther. I was like, I wonder what one of these trees looks like. What, what, like, what would these look like? So I found this picture. Sorry, it's not super clear. But whenever I looked at it, I was like, oh, there's just that, there's, tr there's that tree, and there's nothing else, there's nothing else around it. Everything seems to be dead around it, and it's the only living thing right there. And maybe that's just it. Maybe it's supposed to be a place that you can rest whenever everything seems like it's falling apart when nothing seems like it's going right, it's something that you can lean on, something that you can find peace in. God is near, right? Just like I said. And I feel like this is a lot of times where God finds us, just like where he found Nathaniel under that tree, because we all suffer, right? We've all gone through hard times, think nothing seems like it's going right. A lot of times that's, that's right where God finds us, right where he found Nathaniel. So guys, I want to finish up with these two questions. And the first question is the same one that Jesus asked the two disciples. What do you want? What are you seeking? So what are you seeking? What do you want? Is it a bigger house, newer car, more money? Or is it, I don't know, Something like a better relationship with your spouse, with your parents, with your siblings, with friends. And see, these are all, these are all good things. But I feel like sometimes we fall into the trap that these two disciples did. And we don't, man, I don't really know what I want or what I truly want. And Jesus understands that. He knows that we don't know what we truly want because this world can't offer us what he can offer us. 
See, Jesus, he's the light that leads to eternal life. Come and see. He wants to show you what you want. He says, come and see. See, we don't have to want anymore because Jesus gives us and is everything that we need. And the last question is, do you believe? Do you believe? The thing about the book of John is it's not some giant set of rules or things you can say or things you can't say or what you can and can't do. The author of the book, he's just he's laying it out as an invitation to believe, to come and see, and not just to believe, but to grow in belief. I see, guys, Nathaniel, man, he, just, he believed just a little bit. And what God say? He said, oh, you're going to see you're going to see even greater things than these. So that's my challenge to you today. I don't know what God's put on your heart or what you feel like you're being called to, but I, just, I challenge you to take that step in belief. Take just that small step out of your comfort zone and put your faith and trust in him and just ex- experience what this full life is all about. If you would pray with me.